Imagine all your audio entertainment available in just one place. That's what the Audible app is all about. With Audible, you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. Audible has an incredible selection of wellness titles and originals, like The Light Podcast by Michelle Obama, Work It Out by Mel Robbins, and Confidence Gap by Russ Harris. Membership includes access to Audible originals, podcasts, and tons of audiobooks that you can download or stream as much as you want. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title per month from an ever-growing catalog of titles to keep. The Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere, whether you're traveling, working out, doing chores, wherever your day takes you. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash motivation or text motivation to 500-500. That's audible.com slash motivation or text motivation to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi guys, it's Mari and you're listening to The Pursuit of Wellness. Hi pal community, before we hop into this episode with Fee, my assistant and best friend, I wanted to say a huge thank you to all of you for all of the support and hype around the show thus far. We hit the top 50 on the Apple top shows in the first week, and I could not be more grateful. I am enjoying this process so much, and it makes me so happy to see you guys are gaining so much value from the episodes, seeing your story tags, your reviews, your responses, your comments makes me so happy. It feels like we're in a deep conversation together. The feedback I'm getting is so much more in-depth than I'm used to getting and I just feel way more connected with you guys than usual. So the fact that you guys are following, rating and reviewing means so much. It allows me to see what you guys like and what you want more of. I appreciate it so much. With that said, let's hop into this conversation with Fee. I wanted to add a little trigger warning here because we do discuss eating disorders and other body image topics. So I wanted to give you guys a heads up. With that said, it is a very in-depth episode. You really get to know Fee on a much deeper level. Obviously, we are not doctors or medical professionals, but we do have a lot of insight and personal experience. So I hope you enjoy this one. Let's do it. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Guys, how do I even intro today's guest? She is extremely special to me, and I've probably spent more hours with this person in the last two years than I have with anyone else in my life, maybe even my husband. My once assistant and now manager slash executive assistant, we're still figuring that out. Fee Addicts is a superhero in my eyes. I have never met someone with such positive energy, fierce look. I'm going to cry. Yeah, wait, stop. (laughs) Okay, let me, sorry, let's bring it back. I have a tear in my eye. Fierce loyalty and strong work ethic. We've taken on the world together and I'm so excited to have a girl chat today on the mic. Fee, welcome to the pursuit of wellness. Thanks for having me. That was so nice. Get ready for your wedding speech. (laughs) I know. It's going to be 
iconic. Oh my God, that was a lot. I know, usually I'm just sitting over there in the chair. So it's so nice to be I know. right here with you. We've been waiting for this. And I think also the listeners are going to die. They have been wanting you to get on the mic and spill all the tea for a while. I think this is going to be a two-part interview because we have a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into all the piping hot tea of our relationship, how we met and what that's like. But first, I actually just want to talk about you because this is all about you. Amazing. I asked, (laughs) guys, she's really nervous. Even though we sit like this all day, every day, she's nervous. It's because of the setup. I ask all my guests, if an Uber driver were to ask you what you do, what would you say? Oh. And you're really nice to Uber drivers. So I, I do. I love it. I, I'm like, I'm the person that gets in and talks and immediately starts like asking them their whole life story. We're best friends by the end of the ride. What would I tell them? I feel like I struggle with that too because I don't really know how to describe what I do. I think generally I'm like, oh, I assist, you know, the founder owner of like a nutrition company or like, or I'll say I, you know, assist someone that works in the wellness space as an influencer usually they kind of look at you. So I'm like, it's not like that. She's like really successful and cool and great. And it's not like that. And Even me, when me, someone but, says influencer, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. But I'm usually like, she like owns supplement companies. And then usually they're like, oh, really? Like, what's it called? And they always ask, like, especially male Uber drivers always ask me, like, I'm throw them slang and bloom <laughs> left and right. I'm like, you should try it. Bloomnew.com. Stick packs. Like, We've got yeah. our little bloom cups here on the table today. Yeah, How cute are these? The cutest. The cutest from New York. So you've lived in LA for just over five years now, and you've really experienced the ins and outs of Hollywood. And I want to get into that. But first, conversely, you were raised in Maryland. Yes. Very different. Very different. How were you raised and what was your childhood like? So, yes, I am from like right outside DC in like the suburbs of Maryland called Gaithersburg, technically. Very (laughs) small little town, but like I would describe it as like kind of like the white picket fence suburbs. I grew up in this neighborhood called the Kentlands. And like when I tell you it was this bubble that like growing up, I never thought I was going to leave. My dad used to like remind me, he'd be like, you were like, I'm going to live here forever and like never leave. And I thought it was like the best thing in the world. Growing up, it was awesome. Like I really did have a good childhood. Very lucky like where I grew up. But uh, my parents did divorce when I was like eight or nine. And I think that definitely had an effect on my childhood and probably carried with me a lot more than I thought it would have. Especially like I think Mari and I both have been over the last couple of years really focusing on our past and like Mari does a lot of like inner child work and stuff. And I think as I've reflected on it more, you know, I know tons of people's parents are divorced. Your parents are divorced. You know, it's very common nowadays, but it affects everyone very differently. So I grew up with divorced parents, but luckily they towards the end got along a little better. So that was nice. My mom's still back in Maryland with my stepdad, Howard, and my brother and dad live up in Wisconsin. And they actually just visited me for the first time out here. So that was really nice to kind of show them my L.A. life. I think they've always, you know, maybe not understood it completely, but it was I was really proud to show it to them. And they were really proud of me. So what was the family dynamic like while you were growing up before they divorced or during it? To be honest, I don't really remember too much of my parents together. I think I was like seven or eight when they divorced. And when you're young, like I remember blips, but Mm -hmm. not some like vacations here and there. But I think something kind of as traumatizing as that you remember more of the bad things yeah which stinks but I split time between both parents I know like everyone's kind of situation is different but I did like week on week off which I did that for years and I would pack like duffels every week and bring them back and forth between my mom's and my dad's house and then when I hit like 13 or 14 I think I got to pick if I wanted to stay at one house and 
I was getting older and it was like I was you know I was like a teenage girl I was carrying like every pair of jeans I had back and forth because I'm like I don't know what I want to wear this week and like all my textbooks and then like even into high school I was a cheerleader and so I had all these uniforms it sounds so silly but like I had to bring duffels back and forth and then I'd forget something and have to go back it was just like a big pain in the butt so I finally got to the age where I was like look I think it makes sense if I stay with mom you made that decision I did which at the time, I think it was kind of just like I went to my mom's one week and just like never went back to my dad's full time. Growing up, my dad worked kind of remotely and worked from home. So he really raised us in the house. And my mom was off working like a corporate position every day. And so I think he felt a little like I had raised you and then you went and lived with yeah. her. But it, it was so different in my head. And I was a teenage girl. Like I'm going to go live with my mom. You know what I mean? And my brother lived with my dad. And so, yeah, we were pretty much split up like that. I'm so close with my dad. I actually FaceTimed him this morning on my way home from the gym. It was his birthday yesterday and I forgot just because <gasps> I know I'm such a bad daughter. I sent him a gift, but it was like, we did we not have the craziest day yesterday? Yeah, it, yeah. I look at my calendar. I'm like, oh my God. Like I, I called him right away this morning. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible daughter. He was like, it's, it's okay. I know you're busy. But, but like, it's interesting because you are so close with your mom now. Like yeah. you and your mom give me Gilmore Girls vibes to the max. Like for anyone listening, Fee's mom is like Fee in a few years' time. Like she's yeah. blonde, bubbly, chatty, positive. It's like you on X Games mode yeah. in a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will never be quite like Kathy, but like she is a great goal to go after. Yeah. I think definitely as I got older and when I started living with her full time, like we just, just in general, my dad and my brother are so similar. They're like very mm. artistic. They love music. I feel like they definitely are more like, passion driven and like if it doesn't interest them they won't even bother but my mom and I are kind of like I don't know we just we like, get the work done we work our asses off and like not that my dad and my brother don't but we're just very different my mom and I are like really into like health and fitness and mm. we just were so different growing up it like kind of blows my mind that we I'm, me and my brother are related but it's almost like it split off so it worked out it was it was a good it was a good split but yeah my mom and I are super close now I didn't actually have this planned as a question, but I do want to talk about your camp experiences because you have yeah. been to every camp yes. that you can think of. Because I didn't grow up going to camp. And in the UK, you don't do summer camp, mm -hmm. but you've gone to some very interesting camps. Can I, you tell us? I did. So I feel like maybe it's like an East Coaster thing. Growing up, like as soon as you hit like 13, your parents send you away to summer camp for the summer. You're like, okay. I went to like horse camp one summer. Super traumatizing, you guys highly do not recommend. Well, every other girl there was like, oh, rode horses. And my parents were just like, oh, let's just send her to horse camp. It was really scary. I almost got thrown off the horse. Mari now is like into horses. And I'm really trying to like mend my relationship with them. But they do scare me. I'm not going to lie. They're huge. Didn't you get given a crazy horse? I did. His name was William. He was fighting other horses in the field. Every time I tried to go to his little stable to like clean his hooves, he'd be like kicking the back of the door and they're like okay go in and like pick his leg up I was like me <laughs> like this big I was like <laughs> nine years old I was like no so yeah that was a little traumatizing and then I know which camp you're specifically probably talking about <laughs> no I was talking about both oh, okay yeah. so I went to a lot of different camps I also went to a dance camp the summer I think it was going it was either going into seventh grade or eighth grade I cannot remember but I went to a weight loss camp up in the Poconos. It was called like Camp Pocono Trails, I'm pretty sure. It was called like Weight Image Camp. But the summer I was there, MTV was actually there filming Fat Camp. That's literally what they called it. It was literally called like MTV Fat Camp. Can you believe they got away with that, by the way? Oh. If you did that? that now? Early 2000s, like they, they didn't care. 
And I remember like seeing cameras were all around the camp constantly. And like, I wasn't old enough to technically be on it. So maybe I was like 12. I think you had to be like a little bit older. And I remember, do you remember like those yarn woven braided bracelets growing up that you'd get at like the beach? Yes. If you were like on the show, you'd have one of those. So like all the older kids would like walk around and like flex their <gasps> bracelets. And I remember being like, I want a bracelet. You wanted to be on the show. I wanted to be on the show. Like certain clips, I did see myself in the background of like the talent show day and stuff. So there was um, no like concern like other kids will see me on the fat cam show i think at that age i just like i think i thought it was like kind of cool and i didn't really even i don't know i don't think i thought about it that deeply also so when i went to that camp you know my whole family has kind of struggled with their weight at some point in their life Um, my mom was a lot heavier in high school and like now she's like super fit and stuff but i think it's kind of because of that past my parents had sent my brother the previous summer and I watched like the videotape about the camp and they had banana boating and I had never done banana boat. Do you know what banana boating is? It, you're in a big banana. Kind of, you like sit on this long thing that looks like a banana and they pull you. You wanted to do that? And I saw that and I was like, I want to go to that camp. Because of the <laughs> banana boating. because boat. of the banana boating. Little did I know it would cause me trauma for the rest of my life. The but camp so, or the banana boating? The boat? camp and the banana boating. I got hurt. Yeah, whatever. That's another story. But so I went to this camp Did you know it was weight loss camp? Yes. But like, I don't think I really knew to the extent. And the camp was amazing. Like it truly was. And I made great friends there. And I was never super overweight. But I was definitely like, when I was younger, I I definitely had a little pudge. I kind of looked like Little Miss Sunshine. My stepsister said when she met me. You know that picture of her like looking at herself with the glasses and the belly and the one piece? Like that was me. I had a cute little belly going on. We love that. Um, A lot of kids did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like super normal. And so I went to this camp. I called it like the summer that I kind of like butterflied. It was like me coming out. Like I got back to school and I had gotten contacts. So I didn't have glasses anymore. I think I like got highlights in my hair. So I went to camp for three weeks, I think. You could go all summer. My parents sent me for three weeks. I lost, I think, like 15 pounds in At three weeks. Yes. Wow. Which was crazy. And like, I can't even talk, like, can't believe I'm talking about it. Like, they would weigh you every week. You would get in a line and you would go to like, I forget what they called it. There was a term for it, like weigh-in or something. I don't know. But like they would literally weigh you in front of like everyone. This is crazy. Like, they cannot still be doing this, right? I think they still have the camp. I'm sure they've probably changed the format of it. Mm. But um, this actually is a reason that we'll go into this further. I think an eating disorder type thing that I learned there, the way they measured if you hit maintenance was if you were five foot, that was 100 pounds, right? And then every inch of your height after that, you would add five pounds. So I was five, five and a half, I think at the time. So my maintenance weight was 125, which maintenance meant they'd give you another bracelet and you could go back for seconds at food. Stop. (laughs) Explaining this sounds so Hold on. I'm like trying to calculate mine now. That's weird. I I know. So as I've gotten older, I think in the back of my head, I always was like, okay, I'm like five, eight, five, nine. That's 145, 150. That is like so light for me. I will... I don't think I will. I will never see. I was that much in middle school. Like, well, in, like how, how how tall are you now? Like almost five nine. Yeah, I'm five ten. And I'm like, I've never seen the one forty. He- way heavier. Yeah, that's like crazy. But so for a long time, I chased this number because I think that's just like at thirteen, I was like, okay, that's like how you calculate what you should weigh. Oh my and god, that's, that's so messed up. It it really is. And that doesn't account for muscle. That doesn't account no. for activity level. That was like. And the camp was so, like I said, it was a blessing because I think that summer I went back to school and like finally felt more confident, especially like around boys. Like I think I had always kind of been like the shy, like 
quiet friend that like didn't, I don't know. I remember multiple instances in school where boys would just like not be nice to me. All my friends happened to be like tiny little girls that were like half my weight. And I was like, same this Viking. at the time, like five, five, like all the girls are getting piggyback rides from the boys. I'm like, if a boy picks me up, I will lose. My-. Like, do you remember that? Like, yes. I hate to this day. Like, I hate being picked up. Like, same. Do not try to pick me up. I same. will like, because it's just like a, a big girl thing. I we know. always say we're like Viking. Yeah, women. we are. And like, I was towering over the boys since like third grade. So I've just always been a bigger girl. So yeah, fat camp was like, it was a really cool experience. And I know my parents meant well by sending me there. But I think it definitely like that that weird number system like has definitely stuck with me. It's interesting. Forever. You don't forget things like that, oh, right? No. Yeah. You always hang on to these weird yeah. things you learn when you're a kid. For sure. So ultimately, why did you move to L.A.? And what did people from your hometown think about that? So I feel like by the time I finished college, I went to school in South Carolina. By the time I finished college, I really wasn't going back like home anymore. Mm. So like, I kind of consider my like hometown before I moved here like South Carolina unless they're so like Maryland. It was my winter break. I came to visit LA and visit my uncle and I like worked at this event and I went back and I was like, I think I'm gonna move to LA. And all my friends at school were like, what? Like, they're so weird out there. Like, you know, it's like a Southern school. They're like, why would you ever do that? And I was like, you know, I, I just, I wanted to change. I had gone through like a pretty bad breakup in college. And I think I was just like, I want to get away from everyone and like start a new life and... I was like, where could I go that is warm, but not the South? Mm. I was like, California. And my uncle was out here. So I was like, there's someone, you know. It's so. difficult to make a decision like that when everyone around you is saying, why would you do that? That's yeah. weird. Like, you really have to be pretty headstrong to make a decision like that. I think I just, the weirdest part, I don't even think I gave it a thought. Mm. Like, when people ask me, they're like, I can't believe you just, like, packed up your car and moved. And I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like, that was, like, really irresponsible and kind of just, like, what was I thinking? I did have a job lined up like two days prior to moving, but it was very like, it was like a customer service for a sunglass company. It was just enough to get me out here to like pay my rent and like start out here. So when you started out here, you were working for a sunglass company mm-hmm. and where were you living? When I first came out, I stayed in like a family friend's office up in West Hollywood. He lived right across from the Grove, which I loved. I like would walk around that area, like get to know LA. I like lived in on his couch. <laughs> like a pull-out couch in his office. I think I was there like two months. And then I was like, I think I need like a bed. So I got on like Facebook groups and found two random roommates who I still talk to today. Neither of them live in LA anymore, surprisingly. Mm. But um, I was with them for two years. And like I lived in Hollywood, like right off Sunset near um, like Guitar Center. Like that, it was mm. very hustle bustle. But it was definitely an interesting time in my life. I had never experienced anything like LA. So I was like going to the clubs and like hide and... Was there a lot of celebrity vibes happening? Definitely. I like very quickly realized they were everywhere and it's just kind of normal. And like I you yeah, out in L.A., I think it's just pretty normalized. You see them everywhere. But like when I first moved here, I thought it was like crazy. Like I was like so I was in um, one of the first clubs I remember I went to. Like I literally flex. I was like (laughs) it was before Travis Scott was with Kylie, but I was like literally at his table at a club and like he was on top of the the DJ stand like rapping. I have a video of it. And I'm just like, oh, like I had no idea who Travis <laughs> Scott was. He wasn't with Kylie. I was like pre-Kylie, pre-all that. But like now I'm like, what the heck was I doing? But it it's a scene. Yeah. And I like really thought I wanted to be a part of it. But, like it's very toxic. And I realized it was not. 
vibe I wanted to be in. So <laughs> I've never experienced that side of LA. You know that because mm -hmm. I moved here, married in my late 20s with yeah. a business. So I've never done that. I'm intrigued. And I think one night we should go out and you should show me said clubs. I'll take you out. We go to Hyde, do a little promoter dinner before. Oh, free dinner. Oh, but even if I'm married, should we just like leave that just, out of yeah, it? Just don't talk okay, about Greg, it. don't listen to this episode. <laughs> I want to do that one day. It's, you know what? It'd probably be fun like every once in a while, but I think I was doing it like every weekend. But like I said, I think I just got sick of it eventually and realized it was very, uh, not like a healthy and good environment. Why? I think I realized very quickly that a lot of those people are like the most unhappy people. And that's why they're going out every night and doing what they're doing. I also think it set really unrealistic like standards in my mind for what I should look like. That was mm -hmm. a huge thing. So, you know, when I was at South Carolina, everyone's like in college. I remember I was always like a tall girl still because like I'd wear heels out to the bar and like I was towering over on. I moved to LA and I'm like, oh my God, there's like tall models everywhere, which I'm like, this is amazing. But then I'm like, wait, but they're like this big. And I very quickly, I'd be at these promoter dinners and a lot of promoter dinners and events are models. It's a kind of weird, I don't even know if this is still a concept, but like they used to have model houses where like a bunch of models would live in one place together because they're all like trying to like kind of make ends meet and get the gigs and stuff. And so they would all go out together. So like I would literally be out with models and I was not a model. <laughs> <laughs> even if I thought I could <laughs> hang with them. But so I was out with these girls and it, like as much as you don't think it feeds into you, like when you're out with these girls that are this freaking big and like at dinners with them and they're like not even eating, it makes you just start like it, it messes with your head. And so I think I very quickly developed a really bad relationship with my body. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, so like I can be tall, but if I'm tall, I should be like real skinny. That's the look. And also I'm out with all these guys and all these guys are looking googly eyes at these models and I'm like oh like no one's talking to me so I started to very quickly equate like male attention and relationships and like being worthy with like my weight yeah and that was not healthy <laughs> which is crazy because you are a stunning girl everyone will say that like my dms are full <laughs> of people saying fee's gorgeous what's her routine you're gorgeous and I Thank feel you. like you and I have spoken about this LA will make you feel disgusting and yeah. it makes me feel that way because we live in a place where a lot of people come here for their looks mm -hmm. a lot of people are here because of their looks i should say yeah and then the second you leave la you're like oh mm -hmm. i'm pretty cute yeah. we're doing fine yeah. but la will trick you into feeling like you're not enough it's for the beautiful people growing up my dad always said dc was for the power people people politics people that want power new york was for the money people you know like wall street all that and la was for the beautiful people and like, we talk about this all the time. You could be a 10 somewhere else. You come to LA. You're a two. You will be humbled. You will be humbled. So quickly. It's um, true. Yeah, like. It's, it's true, but it's I'm wild. actually, since finding you, I think you and I talk about that a lot and mm -hmm. we've, we make fun of it. And mm -hmm. I think that's actually helped me in a lot of ways keep that in my head. I think yeah. it's so easy to lose your footing here and get wrapped up in it. But having someone like you in my life, we just make fun of it. We're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So reminder that it's crazy. At this point, you started working for a very well-known celebrity, a pop star, we'll pop say. Star. That's as much as we'll <laughs> yeah. say. We shouldn't say her name, mm -hmm. but... I want to hear about that. Being an assistant is a very selfless role. 
and you are a very selfless person. Where do you think that characteristic came from? And then let's hop into like the world of assisting a celebrity. I have thought long and hard about this actually. Cause like since during COVID I got a therapist, highly recommend to everyone. And I kind of was like diving deep about, so before I, I got a therapist because I was remember like talking to friends and I was asking, they were all telling me how like they had therapists or like we're on medication. I remember being like, I'm perfect. Like what what's wrong? That sounds so bad. But like, I remember thinking like, what is wrong with everyone? Like, why do I have no problems? And then I was like, oh, like, I think I do. I think I just like act like I never have problems, which that's a problem in itself. Yeah. I, on the selfless thing, the dynamic growing up, my brother definitely had like a more difficult time in school and just overall, he had really bad ADD growing up. And I think very quickly, the fo- I just realized that my parents had to put a lot of time into him and not, not time, but like, he required a lot of extra assistance and I did not. And so I think I became a very like, I'm sure my parents would say this, like a very self-sufficient person from a young age. Like when I would pack my bags to go to my, I like help you pack for, when I would pack my bags to go to my parents, the other, other parents' house, I'd be like, okay, I have these games to cheer for and this biology test. So I should pack all this stuff. Like I was doing that at eight years old. Like what eight-year-old like has that? <laughs> but I had to, you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to like be like, oh, dad, I forgot my book at mom's house. Like, because my brother like needed more of that attention. So I think I became like not even on purpose, but like very kind of selfless and self-efficient through my childhood because I had to, which is an amazing quality to have as an assistant because I don't think twice half the time and I just do. (laughs) But it's like it does come naturally, but I think it comes naturally because of something I went through, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think actually a lot of people who are successful in their roles are that way because they've had trauma in some sense. So yeah. if you have a little bit of trauma from your life that turns into a superpower, I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I've definitely learned to use it to my advantage, mm-hmm. but I'm still trying to work on, though I can have it all together that like it's okay for me to sometimes not have it together. Mm -hmm. And when I do just like try to not even put on a show because it really is me, but like sometimes your battery runs low, you know, like sometimes after a week that we've just been like hustling and like even New York, like this last weekend, I was like, oh my God, I was a zombie. Yeah, like I just was like, I need like to be alone and like not do anything (laughs) for like a couple hours. I enjoy it and I'm good at it, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. Exactly. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean it doesn't take energy out. And it's healthy to acknowledge that you are, I mean, I've spent so much time with you. You are such a doer and you're like a little like positive robot. And it is, you know, sometimes it's okay to sit back and be alone and reflect on everything you're Mm -hmm. doing. So how did you land a role with a celebrity? So I actually was placed with her through like a placement agency here in LA, a friend of mine recommended I like reach out to this agency and they're they're awesome you would go like interview with them and then they'd be like okay here's like 10 jobs like assistant type jobs to go interview for so I went on a bunch of different interviews interviewed for like a lot of really cool people can we say who I could probably say one because it's like really cool and I thought I was gonna get it you guys like when I tell you it was for The Rock so Dwayne Johnson and even through the whole interview process they would not tell me who it was for they kept referencing him as like the principal and it was like an assistant to an assistant, whatever. 
such a cool job. And they were like, he is amazing. Like, I mean, he is. Like, look at him. And it was when his movie Skyscraper was coming out. And like, I live in Hollywood, so I'm driving down the street waiting for them to call me back. And he's like on a billboard, like hanging off a building. And I was like, it's a sign. Like literally, <laughs> like it's a sign that like I'm going to get the job. And like when I left the interview, I had a bunch of interviews. They like told me I pretty much got it. And then it was like radio silence for like a week or two. And I was like, oh, what's happening? They said they ended up not hiring anyone and the position was changing. And like his schedule is crazy. He travels like constantly. That man is like not in one place or and brings his entire gym with him. That was part of the job. Like, I'm sure you guys see this, like, Iron Paradise or whatever he calls it. Every place he moves, he, like, has a gym set up. So I was, like, going to be helping with that. So that was, like, a super bummer. I didn't get that one. That would have been really cool. I probably wouldn't be working for you now. So I'm <laughs> glad I didn't get it. <laughs> Sorry, but, The Rock. <laughs> yeah. I know. I work for Bloom. You know, you should send him some. We should. Yeah. Maybe if he's got. listening. Yeah, The Rock. Do you want to try some greens? Um <laughs> But so didn't get that one. Ended up landing this one with a pop star. It was, I was with her for almost a year. I think it was like 11 months. And it was the hardest 11 months of my life. I learned like so, so, so much. I really worked my butt off. I did so many different kinds of tasks. I couldn't even like make a list for you because it was just kind of endless. But I tell Mari all the time, like I think the reason I, can do so much and like any task you give me I'm like okay like you're like really like, really I'm like yeah like I promise you like I'll have it done tomorrow x y and z because this other job like required so much of me to do that and like think on my feet and just like figure it out yeah. pretty much end of the day like you can't really say no there's never really a no there's always a way to do something and I definitely learned in that job because I worked with a lot of like contractors she was like having worked on at her house and all this stuff and I think Mari always says, like, I'm really good at asking for what I want. Yeah. And in that job, I was not. Like, I used to be the person I'd be like, Mom, can you, like, call the doctor to make my appointment? Like, I hated asking my order was wrong somewhere. I'd be like, it's fine. I'll just eat it. Like, I hated being annoying. I don't know. I hated asking for things. But in that job, like, I had to learn to ask for things because yeah. I wouldn't be able to get my job done. And a lot of time I was asking things that people did not want me to ask, <laughs> which was even worse. But... It was a really hard experience. I'm sure anyone that's worked in entertainment can tell you that. But it really does. I think that's like when I was in my Hollywood phase and I was like living in Hollywood and working in the hills. And you see the other side of Hollywood and you see how it really is not glamorous yeah. and how it's a lot of work and how it's really lonely. I was traveling a lot with her. And I remember being like in Hong Kong at this beautiful hotel by myself. And, like, I think I, like, went to bed super late and was waking up too early. And I was in this gorgeous, probably the nicest hotel room I've ever stayed in. It was beautiful. And I was alone. I had no one to share it with. I also, it was a very confidential job. So, like, I didn't really tell anyone about it. And I was like, this sucks. Like, I'm in Hong Kong. No sleep. Could you experience <laughs> the country at all or no? Kind of. Like, we would go out. Like, I tried to go to, like, the market, that big market they have there. And I went there briefly. But, like, I pretty much, when I was traveling, I was working. But would you say that she was lonely too? Like, did it give insight on her life as well? I don't want to speak for her, but I think that lifestyle just in general is very lonely. I know like Lady Gaga put it the best way. She was like, all day I have people telling me what to do and in my ear and I have my assistant, all this stuff. And then like at night you're alone. I think that such dramatic shift is like a lot for people to handle. And yeah, it's definitely a really lonely life. So what was your work-life balance like back then? I had none. 
And that was a that was also a big time where I think a mix of like the pressures of Hollywood and not having time for myself to like go work out. If I did have time, I was too tired. I probably was making excuses. I could have woken up early, but I was exhausted. Like I was just so exhausted by the end of the day. Like, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm not about to go to the gym right now. And I would really not eat a ton all day because I was just like constantly moving. And then I would get home and binge because I was so hungry all day. And like I was, I was stressed. Oh my God. I'm such, I know like some people don't eat when they're stressed. I am like a human garbage can when I'm stressed. Like I will eat anything and everything. Like even days, like if me and Mari have a crazy day, like I will find myself in the pantry, like eating what are those little chocolate Reese's like the help like oh we love those I don't know like just like it's I need like sugar like I start craving stuff and yeah. so when I was super stressed I would come home and like order a pizza and like eat the entire thing and then feel awful and then like on top of being stressed about my life and job I'd be like why did I do that and like I'm like sabotaging myself and it was just not a good cycle did you feel like at any point you lost control of your eating habits I don't think I ever like classified myself or like got help for an eating disorder. But um, I remember actually reaching out to a friend who had experienced something similar. And like at one point I asked her for like facilities because I was starting to really, I did go through a phase of like binging and purging. Like I would come home and not eat all day and then eat a ton and feel so sick. I would eat till I felt sick kind of just like not even on purpose. But then it kind of turned into like a comfort thing. And like there was a point where, and it's, I can't believe I'm like, I don't really talk about it. It's, it's embarrassing. It's like really shameful. But like I would go to like a McDonald's and get a ton of food and like eat it in the garage and throw away the bag before I got up to my apartment so my roommates wouldn't see. Mm -hmm. And they probably had no clue. You know what I mean? And at that point, I was eating knowing I was going to make myself get sick to not eat those calories. And it was so comforting when you do it. Like, I gave in and it would feel so good. And then I would, you know, purge or whatever. And I wouldn't I'd be like, okay, like, like now I can be thin and not, you know, have the repercussions of eating it. But it was, it got to a very bad point for sure. Yeah. I know that topic's really hard to talk about. And I appreciate you bringing it up because I think a lot of girls listening can relate in so many ways. Could you give any advice to anyone listening on how you got yourself out of that place? So I would definitely say seek help. I was thinking about this on the way here. Like when you're in that kind of position, I did the same thing. You justify it. You're like, like even me telling you now, I'm like, I didn't really have an eating disorder. Right. I hear you justifying like, it. Like if yeah. I was a couple times a week, I even remember Googling, like, does this count? Like if I'm only doing it this many times a week, it's not like I'm doing it every meal. If something is consuming your mind, there is a problem. And so kind of like I'm doing, I think a lot of people, especially when they're in the thick of it, they try to justify it. And, you know, I have friends and stuff that have had eating disorders and aren't eating enough. And they're like, oh, I'm like on a diet. Like everyone tries to justify it. You know, they don't want people to be worried about them. But I never really spoke too much about it with like my family or friends even because I was really embarrassed. And again, like I don't want anyone to worry about me. I like to take care of other people. And the mm -hmm. last thing I want is for someone to feel like they have to take care of me. But and I just don't want to worry anyone. Like, I never wanted to worry my parents. Again, probably something from my childhood. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I was not good. Therapy. Seek, seek help. Yeah. I finally, so like I reached out to that friend and asked her for this facility. And I think that was the breaking point where I was like, look, I don't want to do that. I don't, I really don't want to like call my mom and tell her I think I need to do this. And I was like, I think 
let me take a let me take a baby step and let me try to figure it out by myself. And if I can't, then I will do this, you know. But so I found a therapist. It's crazy. Like I re- realized my whole first year and a half with her was probably all about food, my relationship with food. And definitely talking to someone helped a lot through that process. It's actually kind of crazy. I It was during COVID and I found Mari and I found her workout plans and like Bloom. And I was using like the protein and like protein oats. And it's kind of wild, but like even finding someone like Mari who was like a taller girl and a bigger girl and like had muscle made me be like, oh, I don't have to look like these super thin models. Like, no offense, you're stunning. But like you, you know what I mean? Like I was like, oh, like muscle is cool. And like, oh, like she eats like a bunch of eggs and like (laughs) protein oats. Like, I don't know. I was just like, oh, like there are girls. I finally, I think I stopped. I went on my Instagram and I unfollowed every model. I'm sure I could name a bunch. I unfollowed all those Victoria's Secret models. I was like, when I go on my feed, and this is when like Instagram feed was like, I still very different. Like every time I got on my Instagram, I felt so bad about myself and I unfollowed all of them. Like literally every single one of them. And I was like, I'm done seeing them. And I started following like fitness girls. Mari was one of them. And I think that just alone, just realizing what what you're consuming day to day was a huge part. So definitely changing what I consume today. I started like working out and being like, okay, like I'm going to try to put muscle on. And then definitely like the therapy. Those were kind of three things that I think I made the adjustments to. And I think I've been able to come out of that and kind of 180. And I definitely, every day is not great, but I have a way better relationship with food now. Like I eat like rice and oatmeal. Like I eat food, which is crazy. If you had told me back then that I was going to eat as much like rice a day as I am, I would have been like, oh, like I was (laughs) terrified of rice. Oh my God, I'm bread. I remember making like, I wouldn't make avocado toast. I'd make like sweet potato toast with avocado on it, which like, okay, sweet potato is still a carb. I thought it was like, <laughs> it's a vegetable, like it's better. But like, I would not eat a piece of toast. Yeah. My roommate back then thought I was a nut. She would come home with like in and out And I was like, get that out of the house. <laughs> like, can't be around it. I feel like but, bodybuilding is pretty magic in that way that it does completely shift your mindset. And it's so much more empowering to go into the gym and be like, I'm putting size on. Mm-hmm. And that sounds odd. And I think a lot of girls worry about getting bulky or whatever it is. You're not going to get bulky, guys. Like, I we wish. just, you're not going to. I look at myself in the gym and I'm like, oh, we freaking wish we could get bulky. Older shoulders. You would have shoulders. to literally dedicate your life for years yeah. to get bulky and yeah. eat so much food. Mm-hmm. But having the goal of like growing your glutes and your shoulders and having that protein, it's so Mm -hmm. much healthier than getting smaller. And that's what I've always loved about weightlifting. And I, for me, it completely changed my mental state. And it sounds like it did for you too. Yeah. It was a huge part of it for sure. I got to a point where I was on my fitness pal and I was like 1200 calories a day, just walking. Oh, I was doing soul cycle a ton. 1200 is nothing. That's a toddler. Like that is literally nothing. The least calories I could eat and the most calories I could burn. Like that was the focus. And it's like my mindset is so different now. (laughs) So present day, you're working in the somewhat in the health industry. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of our day revolves around talking about topics like this and making content around nutritious Mm -hmm. food. Has that had an impact on the way you view your fitness journey? Like, has that impacted you at all? I would say so. I mean, but like I said, I think it was a really positive impact on me. You know, I think Obviously, the health and wellness industry can always have, I think, like a little bit of a toxic side to it. I work for you. You're the one that's on camera. So like I know that is a lot of pressure on you and I see that on you every day, which I think can sometimes reflect. But 
if anything, I think it makes me realize that it's not like everything. And that like, I mean this in the nicest way. Mari has like crazy nice abs, but like, does she always have like a ripped six pack? No. What do you mean, but, Fee? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you don't see it right now as I'm sitting here? Don't tell them this. I'm just feeling all the beads. <laughs> but like, seriously, like Mari, like she has abs, but like, does she have abs at the end of the day after we've like had a big salad? No, but I know that. Does the world know that? No. Besides, I can't believe you're exposing sorry, my salad really belly on my podcast, on my own show. No, but that's such a good like, point. Sorry. And I think I know Mari, it's like a pressure to her because like, you know, the side she shows the world is this like ripped Mari. But like, she doesn't see that all the time either. So I was like, oh, okay. So like, maybe if I don't look like all the time, even the people that you think look like that all the time, don't. don't. And it's so I, the angles. Yeah. It's the lighting. Mm-hmm. It's first thing in the morning before yeah. you've had a crumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the whole thing. Literally an almond. Literally a crumb. It's over. Literally a crumb. Yeah. But but you do work your ass off. And I think I saw that too. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This girl like eats super clean, works her butt off in the gym. Like it, like I've seen what you worked for. And so that it's, it, I think it's been a good positive. You know, I've been like really dialed in on my workouts lately. Fee has been on her <laughs> shit, guys. This fitness journey you're on is so cool. Thanks. Are you feeling amazing? I actually, it's funny. I woke up this morning and I was like, I feel like I've been doing like six weeks now, guys, of like trying to eat like kind of to a plan with a lot of protein, a lot more carbs than I'm used to in weightlifting. And like, I finally woke up this morning and was like, oh. Like, no, you look amazing. Thank you. you do. I, it's hard when you look at yourself every day. We talk about this all the time. When you look at yourself every day, it's really hard to notice things, but like others around you. Someone came up to me at the gym and was like, all your hard work's like paying off. Like we can tell. And I was like, Really? Like, you can tell? So I think more importantly, the way you feel and mm-hmm. the way you present yourself, you just yeah. seem so energetic and so mm-hmm. on it and really, like, brightened up in general. And it's, I mean, you're super committed. Every day she brings in her meal prep. <laughs> it's amazing. I know. At the beginning, me and Mara used to, like, we get salads. Like, we'd order in salads, but, like, at the beginning, she'd be like, do you want your salad today? I was like, oh, no, like, I brought my meal. <laughs> she'd be like, oh, Okay. But who's meal prepping now? I'm Listen, huh? I'm inspired. We're yeah. going to Tulum for New Year's and we're both getting on our grind. Yeah, guys, I came in this morning. Mari's like, so I meal prepped all weekend. <laughs> four hours, I was sweating. I'm like, who's the fitness influencer now? Jeez. Okay, so we talked a lot about fitness. Let's pause here. This was an amazing part one. We haven't even talked about our relationship yet. So guys, if you want to listen to how Fee and I met, what our dynamic is, Make sure you listen to part two. Thank you, Fee. You're welcome. That's, I can talk forever. I know. I can't stop. Maybe you need a show. Fiddle Fee no, just- <laughs> hits the mic. That's her nickname, by the way, guys. Fiddle. Someone we were working with like asked Mari. She's like, do you ever call her Fiddle? I was and like, Mari was what? like, what? No, but now I'm going to. <laughs> She's like, Fiddle. Oh my God. Fiddle. Great. Okay, it. guys. See you on part two. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Go comment on my last Instagram at Mari Llewellyn with the guest you want to see next. I'll be picking one person from the comments to send our bloom greens to. Make sure you hit follow so you never miss my weekly episodes. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to share and leave a review. See you next week.